Soot from the day's work still streaked her face. Fog and sweat dampened her red hair. The buckles at the waist of her long coat didn't hide the threadbare nightgown underneath, and the trousers tucked into her boots had been old when she bought them. The satchel clutched to her chest was nothing but a shirt tied together and held everything she owned. Her desperation must have hung around her as thick as the mist. She wasn't surprised when the innkeeper immediately lowered the lamp, swinging the window closed. We're full up tonight. You'll find rooms on the cheap at the crowing cock. Wait. She curled her fingers around the window frame, preventing its closure. Please. I'm here to see Captain Mockin. I've come from the blacksmiths. She'd never used her connection to her mentor like this before. But two names in London would open almost any door. The blacksmiths and the Iron Dukes. The innkeeper paused. The blacksmith? Ivy pulled aside her nightgown collar, exposing the guild's mark, a chain wrapped around her neck, and a hammer poised to strike. When the innkeeper began to shake his head and close the window again, Ivy quickly stripped off her glove, exposing pale grey fingers and silvery nails. The mark is supposed to be around my wrist, she told him, but my skin won't take a tattoo. He stared at Ivy's hand before looking into her face again, perhaps searching for a hint of how she had managed to afford mechanical flesh. Finally, the innkeeper stepped back, opening the door. I'll tell the captain you're here. Ivy waited to expel her sigh of relief until after he'd moved to a door at the back of the empty dining room and disappeared up a narrow stair. Cool and dark, with well-scrubbed walls and floors, the inn's open dining room appeared cleaner than any she'd ever lived, worked, or eaten in. She was accustomed to pubs like the Hammer and Chain, dank and crowded, stinking of soot and sweat, and where fights broke out more often than not. But she returned every night, because the blacksmith's workers could buy a hot meal on the cheap, and she went home to a windowless room that smelled of smoke and mildew, and whose north and south walls she could touch with both hands outstretched. This inn smelled of lemon wax, and a warm, yeasty fragrance, a scent that reminded her of walking past the bakery in the crisp early morning, while heading to the smithy in the narrow. This was a good place. It gave her hope. Her grip on the satchel slowly eased as her nervousness and fear began to subside. She'd heard of Mad Muckin before he'd come to the smithy. Everyone in England had. Born to a merchant family in Manhattan City, the youngest of four sons, he'd been a surgeon in the British Navy when Rhys Traherne had attacked his naval fleet. Mad Muckin had been among those forced to join Traherne's crew, then willingly remained aboard. He'd been with the pirate captain when Traherne had destroyed the Horde's tower. Unlike Traherne, who'd been given a duke's title, and the king's pardon bestowed upon all of his crew, Mad Muckin hadn't reformed. After taking command of his own ship, Vesuvius, he continued pirating from the North Sea to the Caribbean. But despite all of the stories of murder, insanity, and pillaging, the Mad Muckin that Ivy had met at the blacksmith's hadn't been a cruel man. Big and intimidating, with a thick, coarse scar around his neck and overgrown dark hair, he'd been a gruff man, but not cruel. Every morning for the past week, he'd accompanied his friend Obadiah Barker to the smithy 
and sat with him through the excruciating process of exchanging a steel prosthetic leg for a limb made from mechanical flesh. Madmockin had borne Barker's curses and screams without anger. He'd offered a hand for Barker to squeeze, and more than once, to bite. And every evening, he'd carried his delirious friend to the waiting steamcoach. Ivy had assisted the blacksmith in the surgery, and attended the two men during the long stretches between sessions, waiting for the flesh to grow. She'd listened to Madmockin and Barker talk of ships they'd taken and ports they'd visited, Barker speaking a hundred words in his lilting accent to every flattened word of Mad Muckins. And when Barker's dread and fear of the next session became overwhelming, Ivy had told him of her own surgery, painting herself as a ridiculous shivering wash rag, until Barker had begun to laugh. Mad Muckins' gaze had met hers then.